Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and today I'll be speaking with Pete McCleary. Pete is also a licensed clinical social worker, as well as the clinical manager for adult programming at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in Eatontown, New Jersey. Today is the first part of a conversation I had with Pete about self-esteem, what it really means, and how to go about building it. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and find it helpful. Well, I just want to thank you for being here. I had known for a while that I wanted to do some episodes on self-esteem, and I thought to myself, who do I know who has a borderline embarrassingly high amount of self-confidence and self-esteem? And then uh, immediately I thought, let me get let, let me bring my buddy Pete in to talk about this. Wow. What an introduction. <laughs> How do I follow that up? You know, it, it's interesting that you phrase it like that, right, Andy? Because I think one of the things that we can talk about is this idea of high self-esteem or what is self-esteem or like, is it high versus low? Is high good? Is that what you're aiming for? Because, you know, I think part of it is saying that uh, uh, if this if this podcast is about someone with high self esteem, you guys are about to be in for twenty five minutes of all about me, baby. That's that's right. <laughs> I don't know. I, hey, there's an argument to be made that uh, the two of us together. I mean, that's like a, an extreme level of of high self confidence. What if though we pair we look at how you just phrased that right? And I think uh-huh. for a lot of people, this idea of self confidence and self-esteem are married together. As if if you, you have high confidence, it must mean you have high self-esteem. And I think maybe after talking today, I might convince you that that's not always necessarily like a black and white thing. And that's also not a bad thing, right? Like saying that I don't have the highest self-esteem doesn't mean I think poorly of myself. It might reflect that I have a more balanced understanding of my own abilities and sense of self. What do you think about that? All joking aside, I think it makes sense, and I I think this might be what you're alluding to, but if you think of all the different areas of your life, your social life and everything you do, all the different skills you have uh, or don't have, I guess the way that I'm thinking about what you're saying is that you might have really high self-esteem or you might feel really confident in your abilities in certain areas and, you know, not as confident in other areas. And that's completely appropriate. I would agree with that. I think a way to think about this would be to say, tell me something you're really good at, Andy, you know, that you that you would feel confident doing in front of others. Well, I, you know what immediately jumped into my mind? I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm fairly confident in that I know a decent amount about like how to stay physically fit. Right. Okay. So I've gone through periods in my life where I was heavy into lifting weights. I've gone through periods in my life where I was heavy into running I feel like I have a pretty good idea in terms of my ability to know the best uh, way to exercise to get whatever result you want. Does that make sense? Sure. So part of that would be if somebody uh, engaged in a discussion with you, you would feel relatively confident in the information you were putting forth about uh, taking care of the body, taking care of you know your physique. On 
different levels, right? Like you could talk, like you were mentioning cardio or muscle development Mm -hmm. or healthy diet. And in a lot of this, a conversation like that might engage you, right? The way that you, I guess the way that you gravitate towards that topic really create um, almost like a lack of awareness of the self. You just kind of dive in, right? Hey, oh, hey, you're talking about workouts what do you do this is what i do oh oh, i've tried that in the past but if it was an area that you maybe felt a little bit less certain in uh you may become a lot more self-reflective about what you don't know right almost like feeling exposed in a conversation like that sure like i have plenty of things that are jumping into my head right now when you ask me like if i was to give you an example of things i'm not good at or things i don't know a lot about that i would love to learn more about it's just like being handy, right? Like knowing how to, you know, whatever, hang drywall or take care of your car. I, I just have very, very low confidence in my ability to do stuff like that. So I, I wonder too, right? You're a man, you have a family. That's right. Part of it is that society kind of expects you to be able to do those things, right? For your family or for your household. You're the one that's supposed to be able to know how to change your oil or fix a a hole in the wall when, you know, the kids bonk into it or Uh something like that. And I think part of the reason why our self-esteem gets tied up in, in certain things that we don't know is because we feel we are supposed to, right? It feels like we're missing a part of something either others or ourselves are expecting ourselves to be able to handle. Does that kind of make sense? Sure. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. So like even with lifting, lifting can become something that you you enjoy, right? And you're willing to read and invest time in. But on the flip side, if, if I came to you and said, oh, hey, there's this new workout that you've never heard of it before, you wouldn't feel self-conscious. You would actually probably be interested, right? So you can mm-hmm. kind of see the difference. Yeah, it makes sense. Underneath whatever our self-esteem is kind of vested in is an idea of like a core belief about why it matters, right? Mm. So for something like your physical fitness, you mentioned you feel relatively fit and you feel that when people look at you, they will believe that you are relatively fit and you know what you're talking about. So for you to not know every workout is okay, right? And that's healthy. That's that's what I would call an optimal self-esteem. You don't go into a conversation trying to prove that you are the world's greatest fitness guru. You're willing to learn more, but you're also willing to trust that you know enough to hold your own. And that is the sweet spot of self-esteem. That makes sense. But with drywall, right? Like you kind of use the example of being a handyman. I think there are expectations that maybe, oh, hey, you should know how to do this, right? Society would say, oh, you, you know, what's wrong with you, man? You're gonna pay someone to fix that thing. that immediately can cause a reaction for you, right? It's almost like, well, uh, do you want to hear about my workout? No, man, I want to hear how you hang drywall. And it's like, well, (laughs) I like to think that it's been so long that I've been not good at that, that I'm immune to society's expectation of of me being good at that because it's just pretty hopeless. I feel like it's hopeless for me. That's another great kind of talking point with self-esteem right? We constantly are building this scale internally that we don't directly access. The kind of is like an unconscious thing where we're putting things on like the, all right, I'm a good enough person side versus the, man, I kind of, I don't know that I'm doing enough, right? Mm -hmm. And so for you, there's enough happening on the, 
you know what? It's okay that I don't know everything, Side. There's enough things that I'm doing well that allow your self-esteem to stay in a healthy enough spot. Mm-hmm. You with me on that? You agree? I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes. And uh, you know what? I also think for me personally, and, and maybe, you know, I'm lucky in this sense, I can put that thought that I'm not very good at being a handyman next to the thought yeah, well, I've never really practiced and I've never really tried that hard. So of course, I'm not going to be good at it. It's not like uh, something that's inherently wrong with me. I just haven't ever really tried to get better at that skill. Like nobody's automatically good at doing anything unless you're like, a, I don't know, child piano prodigy or something. Sure. That's another key component of self-esteem because I think all of us know people who... I'll use the word defensiveness, kind of defend when or why they don't know certain things or Mm -hmm. why they're not Mm -hmm. good at things. And other people are totally willing to accept that obviously we can't be good at everything. Mm -hmm. But all of these things originate from our self-esteem, right? And it goes back to this idea of like the optimal level of self-esteem. And how do we achieve that? How, how, what is optimal? Because again, people oftentimes assume high is great, but high self-esteem oftentimes leads to perfectionistic thinking and defensiveness when, you know, you have to defend why you're not always perfect and high. Right, achieving. Right. So, you know, this is where self-esteem can be a quite a, a deeper topic than sometimes people think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like so many things that we talk about on here, it's like, you want to find that middle ground the the perfect middle ground is ideally where you're um where you're aiming it's like when we uh, talk about stress you don't want to have no stress because people tend to think you want to have no stress at all well no because then you get bored and agitated and but you also obviously don't want to have super high stress because everybody knows what that feels like it's you know you're um, agitated in another way and it feels terrible to have super high stress, but it's the same thing here with self-esteem. Like you don't want to have very low self-esteem all the time, but you also don't want to have super high self-esteem about everything that you do. Yeah. And to just to kind of clarify the point you're making, the way that most of us would use high self-esteem is, is good self-esteem, right? Like I'm not Mm -hmm. actively advocating for anyone who thinks they have like a healthy sense of self to start talking themselves down. It's more this idea of, look, there's this, there's this term, uh, optimal self-esteem, which is the ability to understand kind of like you illustrated before that I succeed and do well at so many things. And it's okay that I don't, you know, knock the ball out of the park everywhere. And in fact, the part uh, the part that you mentioned before about maybe if I invested time and effort, I could get better is another example of where optimal self-esteem can come in because it's not mm-hmm. this idea of, well, if I did, I would be the best. It's no, I bet I could get better at that, mm-hmm. you know, that belief in myself, but also I don't readily expect to just pick things up immediately uh, and do them as well as someone who had done this for 20 years. You know? Right, right. Yeah. I just want to go on record as saying I'm I'm slightly uncomfortable that this is becoming a deep dive into my psyche and my self-esteem. So uh, why don't you join me in in telling the world something that you aren't very confident in and something you are very confident in? Ooh, okay. So um, you don't want one. <laughs> I'm not doing this by myself, buddy. <laughs> hey, that's that's totally fair. So I, I'll I'll give you one. Uh, I don't trust. I I have zero musical talent. Right? Uh, I don't have any uh-huh. rhythm. 
I, I don't mind <laughs> dancing at a wedding. Uh, I'm not good. And, and that's something I've learned over, you know, now that I've gone to many weddings as an adult, I've learned. But if you looked at me at 16, I, I would have been the one sitting at the table. Now I've yes. gotten myself comfortable enough to go out there and make a fool of myself. Yes. But one that I'm not as comfortable with would be like karaoke, right? Uh, okay. Like if you told me to just go sing uh, randomly, like, oh, yeah, like, do you have a good singing voice? No. Right. And if people were singing karaoke, uh, I would have a hard time. Now, if someone got up in front of me and really butchered a song, I might feel inclined to go up behind them and butcher a song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But no, I would never feel comfortable doing that. I would be incredibly self-conscious. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it would really like I would dread it. And if I knew I would, oh, God, I'm next, I would be sitting there going, oh, man, this is not fun. Well, you know what? I have an idea for you. Why don't you record a little video of you? of you dancing just like a you know a, a a quick 30 seconds we'll post it on princeton house's facebook page and we'll let the internet be the judge that's um what do they call it exposure therapy that <laughs> yeah that's exposure what did, therapy. <laughs> what did i sign up for today <laughs> no but that, that's a good example that's a good example there now you're just as exposed as i am absolutely i i think we talked about a lot of sort of big ideas and relatively quickly so I guess before we move on, could you just kind of give a working definition of self-esteem? I, and I, like I said, I realize we may have done this a little bit before, but like when you think of self-esteem or if you're sitting with a client and um, they really say and they say to you, you know, I feel like I need to increase my self-esteem. How do you think about that? And how do we kind of help them go about doing that? Or how can we encourage them to help them go about doing that? That's a great question. Let's go with this. Your self-esteem is your own kind of conscious and subconscious evaluation of your self-worth. If the working definition is this evaluation of your sense of self, you, you have to start by exploring what you think you're worth Mm -hmm. uh, and this can come in a lot of different forms, right? Uh, our jobs impact our self-esteem. Um, and if you look at jobs, it comes in, how are you treated at work? Uh, are you paid fairly at work, right? Like, are you compensated for what your abilities are? Because all of these little things, your your performance evaluations, um, the way your coworkers view you, like all of these things tell you how good you are at your job. Mm -hmm. um, and building off of that, your relationships do the same thing. I mean, if you're struggling in a relationship or you're struggling to find a relationship, that has to impact your self-worth. So obviously therapy is a great spot to start peeling the layers back because I think for any of us, um, and I know we kind of joked about this before, but when you try to touch the parts of your self-esteem that uh, maybe you aren't as confident about, uh, it can kind of hurt a little bit, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, kind of no, like when you start to really access the the deeper parts of why we don't think we're that we're worth more, uh, oftentimes that leads us feeling kind of crummy. So having a therapist to help buoy you and bolster you through those different, different layers of your sense of self is super important. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to feel uncomfortable, but at the same time, there's a lot of value that can come from feeling uncomfortable for a little while. Um, and also, I think an important thing to 
just recognize, and you kind of brought this up, like you have to talk about the different areas of your life. And oftentimes a client will come in and, you know, when they say they want to increase their self-esteem, well, in what area of your life do you feel like we need to do that? Is it all areas? So is it like work, your relationships, your home life? So it doesn't always have to be like, I have low self-esteem and you don't have to think of it as in such a global way that you're so, you just have low self-esteem because chances are you probably have lower self-esteem in some areas and higher self-esteem in other areas of your life. That balance is important, right? Just like you mentioned earlier, there are things you know you are good at and there are things that you know you're not good at. There are certain things that we may know we could improve upon. It is possible for us to improve upon, right? Mm -hmm. um, I am not a great golfer, but if I went and played golf every day or once a week for you know so many weeks, I, I believe I could get better. Um, whereas for some of us uh, with low self-esteem, uh, if you think about relationships, if I had five bad relationships in a row, I actually might not believe that the next one would be better. So you get what I'm saying? You see the mm -hmm. difference? Mm -hmm. Sure. So that, that belief that we can influence our own self-worth, that it's possible for us to achieve uh, an increase in that domain is really actually part of why our self-esteem is higher than we think. As much as you may think, I'm not a handyman, there's still part enough, there's, there's not enough of your self-esteem that's tied up into it to think that you couldn't get better. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's what I said before. Like I can give myself the, um, I, so I, I can give we, myself enough credit to say, hey, I've never actually invested time in getting better in this. So yeah, of course I'm not really good at it, but there's there's the potential that I could become good at it if I would invest more time into it. Sure. So I think, you know, this is where you, you know, you've outed yourself, Andy, that that's not really something you have low self-esteem on. And, oh, and, see that? Right? Because part of you says, you know, what, hey, if, if I went and hung out with one of my friends who, who or, or someone who is very handy, I bet you I could pick up a lot of these mm -hmm. skills. For me, like I, I truly like if we go back to what I said, I do not think I have a good voice. No one's ever told me that. Like no one's ever said, hey, kids, stop singing. You know, when uh -huh. I was younger. Um, but to me, like, it doesn't sound good to my own ears. There's no sense of confidence in myself that there's something to build off of. And so I do genuinely feel like that would be the worst part of myself I would be putting forward. Mm, if, I see. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So like in my case, when it comes to being a handyman, I can say, well, if I invested time into it, I'd probably get better at it. In your case with the singing, you don't really feel that way. No. Um, and again, <laughs> the difference is no one's ever definitively said, like, you can never be good. It's just this feeling, right, of mm -hmm. saying, I don't think I'm good at this, and I don't think I can get good at this. Mm -hmm. And and so it, it makes me want to avoid rather than try, if that sure. makes sense. Sure, that makes sense. Um, okay, so I, I think we've kind of covered a little bit, like, what that you – there are different domains, first of all, that you're talking about when you talk about self-esteem oftentimes, right? Like you may feel more confident in certain domains and less confident in other domains, like we just gave the example of. Um, but then there's also like this more global uh, 
my self-esteem, my self-worth in general. Um, so I guess I want to kind of think about both of those things and what do you think or like what what are some things that you try to do or suggest with clients who come in saying that they're having low they're, that they have low self-esteem and they want to work on it? How do you help them work on that? Usually people don't come in and say that, right? People with low self-esteem believe their worth is low. So they don't actually think they deserve more. Ah, and that's mm-hmm. part of the tricky part, right? Is oftentimes as a therapist, you see it, you feel it. This person doesn't value themselves. They're willing to uh, take less of what the world has to offer. They're, you know, the ones that are getting uh, an imbalanced workload at work, but they don't even know how to stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. Or they're unhappy in their relationship and they're talking about these dynamics that as a therapist, you're like, wow, this doesn't really seem like it's working for you, but the person almost has no awareness of it. Sure. Um, So the tricky part to answer your question is like, a lot of times as a therapist, I'm aware that the self-esteem needs to be worked on typically Mm -hmm. before the patient is. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Tune in next week to hear Pete and I talk more about self-esteem and how you can go about building it. Hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next time.